Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women, and we are going to drink these beers without reservations. I'm Mike. I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. And we're the Drunk Guys, and this week we're reading the 2020 Pulitzer winner for fiction. 2021. 2000, well, it came in 2020. That's confusing already. We read it, though. The 2000 Recent Pulitzer winner. Yeah. <laughs> the Night Watchman by Luis Erdrich. Uh, and starting with this beer, so the book it's it's fucking complicated, uh, and we're gonna we're gonna leave a tremendous amount of it out. But one of the main characters is Pixie slash Patrice O'Neill. Uh, I forget what her last name was. Uh, and and the book takes place largely on a Native American reservation in Toronto. Like, yeah, there you go, Toronto. It's in Canada, um, <laughs> in in uh, North Dakota, and. Uh, Pixie slash Patrice, as she goes with both, is is pretty badass. And you could say she's an aboriginal gangster. Uh, <laughs> so this is aboriginal gangster from Burley Oak. It is an IPA. That's 6.6% alcohol. The, the ABV of the beast. <laughs> it's really quite drinkable. Very good. Not amazing. It's, it's good. Juicy. Yeah, it's fine New England IPA. And when you're putting out three a week they can't all be winners but this one's great nothing you know to write home about but certainly i will finish it uh so pixie's one of the main characters and the other one is thomas the the night watchman <laughs> that's his that's his job that's what he does that's he watches at night he watches those men um <laughs> Wa- oh wait, was i read a different hash- book oh his uh, yeah they the book is peppered with i guess they're like chippewa words well that's um, his last name Wa- oh yeah which, which it looked it looked I think oh, sure <laughs> I'm gonna trust that that's some sort of like Ojibwe word or Polish <laughs> I can't really tell it could be so yeah so the book takes place in largely like 1953 to 1954 uh, on their reservation and Turtle uh, Mountain yes and Thomas work does he is he at the at the same place where Pixie works is he the night watchman there he, he yes. watches at, like over the, the jewel jewels. factory the jewel bearing factory yeah I didn't really understand what exactly they were making there the entire I looked book. this up because I I looked got there I was like what the fuck is that so I looked it up and the first article I found was about this factory in Turtle Mountain you know staffed almost entirely by uh, native women. And what they do is they take little tiny bits of gemstones and they stick them onto drills and stuff like that so that when they grind, they can get through shit that's less hard than the jewels. So they're making, it's kind of like making uh, diamond, diamond drill bits. You know? at one, there's one oh, okay. point where in the story, the boss man is being a dick and like not letting them have coffee breaks. You mean and the shit. whole book? Well, he gets worse. He gets worse. <laughs> um, yeah. I forgot his name. It's something like Voldemort. Mr. Vold? Vol- it's Voldemort, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, but there's someone coming to visit them, and I'm trying to look back now, like, which company it was. But I think it was, like... Boulevard. Oh, it was a watch company, right? Yeah. They made, they also make stuff for the watches, like little tiny gears bits, and shit. Bits of, and bits of quartz. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if Boulevard makes quartz watches, but maybe. They're, they're like super bougie watches. I don't know if I guess even the expensive ones use quartz. I don't know fucking anything about watches, and I should because my cousin is a watchmaker. Oh yeah, well I remember that was the one question when I when I knew that's what he did, and I was like, oh, you make watches, and then it was a kind of awkward pause, and then, 
So what are your thoughts on quartz? <laughs> <laughs> and then he and then he explained to me how it works. I was like, that's actually really interesting. Let's go. It's freakishly complex. But these women glue little bits of jewel onto things so that they don't get worn down with usage. And they this factory was uh, kind of stockpiling this kind of stuff because they had just gotten through World War II and they had basically burned through all of their machinery and parts and stuff. So they started making a shitload of them just to have it on hand in case there's another war. And of course there was like oh, a year later when Korea is like almost around this time. Korea is almost done it's by during now. Oh, yeah, it's, almost, it's, it's done by the start. Maybe of, that's it's when done, they It's done by 52, out. 53, right? Yeah, maybe yeah. they ran out in Korea. But they ran out and then they like, let's build a bunch of this shit and have it ready. They're like, I bet we're going to be in Vietnam in about at six months. So <laughs> let's like get this stuff together. Well, that's a problem when you fight wars in Asia. You're, you're hungry again for war an hour later. <laughs> <laughs> it says, uh, jewel bearings were very, in very short supply during the war. And without the jewel bearings, watches would not be reliable. And you need to have accurate timekeeping if you're, you know, doing intercontinental wars. It's true. And didn't you ever see like a World War One movie where all they, it's like a bunch of guys looking at their watch waiting for the right time to send men into oblivion? <laughs> They're just like, and die. And they all just run off at the same time. It's, it's, it's an integral part of war. Every hour on the hour. Death on the ones. <laughs> like the Weather Channel. <laughs> So there are like two. There are two main characters, but there are more, many more characters beside that. The first, you know, the first main character is Thomas. He is the uh, uncle of the other main character, Pixie. Uh, he is the night wa- watchman at the factory, uh, but also he is the leader of the tribe. He is the tribal elder. What's the term for it? Uh, tribal. Anyway, Chief. he yeah. Tri- leader of the tribal council and yeah. what he finds out right at the beginning is that there has been a new or there's a new there's a bill in congress it hasn't passed but there's a bill in congress that would completely end their tribe's treaty with the united states the one that had been signed back in the middle of the 1800s and uh would end their treaty meaning that they would completely dissolve the reservation and then all of and would it, it's, but it's referred to with the way the bill in Congress in 1953 refers to it as they're going to emancipate the Native Americans. But really what it means is they're going to take away what shit land they even have left. And so Thomas has to spend all, spend all his time um, trying to figure out how to get to Washington, D.C., to how to actually get to the hearing where the, where the bill, where the House of Representatives is, or the Senate yeah, where the Senate is actually going to debate this bill and actually give testimony. Anyway, he has to figure all that out, and he literally works through the night every night, not sleeping like ever, you know, with his typewriter and writing letters and reading letters and... Working on his Palmer penmanship. Trying Palmer to... Palmer penmanship. That yeah, he does lot. talk about his penmanship. I'm jealous. And he does... Um, <laughs> You write if that you just used your palm, Nate. We <laughs> <laughs> could use two palms together and like write with both hands. It would the probably palm be of better. Your foot, dude. <laughs> like, the worst hand, right? <laughs> That's one main character. And the other main character is his niece, whose name who everyone calls Pixie. She's hot. That she is quite attractive. That elfin the, Pocahontas-esque beauty. She's just like... You know, s- smoking hot 
every dude's like, I got to get some of that. She's putting wood in my totem pole. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, definitely Wood Mountain is very interesting. Dude, I thought that I thought in the middle, I thought I opened a different book and it was a porn book when I start (laughs) reading about Wood Mountain and his mom, Juggy. (laughs) Juggies and Wood Mountain. It's like, Jesus Christ. They were hungry for bear meat. (laughs) (laughs) They did. They fucking ate a bear. They ate a bear. And and at one point, somebody mounts Wood Mountain. <laughs> she's yeah. on top. Pixie mounts Wood Mountain. Specifically, she she's on top of Wood Mountain. But that's much later. Okay, so Pixie works at the plant, but all, obviously she has sort of dreams of doing more than just than just working at this factory for her whole life. But she's there. She has some friends that are you know her her friends that work there, including her friend, not Vera. It's the it's Valentine. Valentine. There you go. But one of the, the, so that's sort of like introduced in the beginning. There are also other characters introduced in the beginning, like Wood Mountain is the, uh, he's actually, so he's just a young Native American dude who's really big and he's a boxer and he, in the, you are introduced to his trainer and then who's also interested in Pixie. And then uh, he's, it's a boxing match where he loses, narrowly loses to the local white guy boxer. Pollock. <laughs> like, to yeah. like, Joseph Wobolowski or whatever the fuck the name yeah, was. Yeah, they call him Joe Wobble. It was yeah. Wobble, Wobblezyski. Or they Zinski. call him... I don't think we're supposed the, to say music. the P word anymore. No, the, the music what? was uh, like the a guy net, who trained... Uh, uncle different he, was, guy, right? he was Barnes' uncle who, because, you know, he would dance. He did... Uh, you have to face he did, the music. He did, yeah. If you wanted to learn about him, you'd have to go behind the music with VH1. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, not long into the book, or you know, it's sort of like you know, your the beginning of the book has introduced all these to these some of these characters, but then uh, a little bit through the book, Pixie finds out that her gets or Pixie and her mother get word that her older sister, who's been living in Minneapolis, has sort of like disappeared. They think she had a baby, but she hasn't. No one's heard from her. Didn't she like or, follow a, a boy or something? I forgot why she went. Yeah, to she, so her older sister had gone to Minneapolis, Minneapolis, a couple, a few years beforehand to live there with a boy, but they hadn't really heard from her. She's been uh, gone like a year at least at this point, something like that. So, but Pixie decides that she needs to go to Minneapolis to find out like what is going on, like see if she can find her sister. So she does. She goes to Minneapolis, and first she takes a she takes a train, and then when she gets there, someone had told her, you know, well, what, how do I know where to go? She has a couple of people's addresses written down, like this friend of a friend and this other person where she might be able to stay, but she also has the address of where her sister supposedly was staying. And But she gets off the train, and at the train station, someone had told her, oh, well, just, like, take a cab to the th- place that you want to go. And so she goes out to the, you know, taxi stand and some random guy is like, hey, lady, I'll drive you where you want to go. No charge. But it's already very suspicious. Yeah, because he's like, no, no charge. It's like, okay, what is going to happen now? Not what you think. But they bring her to not the place where Pixie wants to go, but they bring her to... A restaurant. The I'm sorry, the place uh, with one of the best names for a gay bar I've ever heard, the Log Jam. <laughs> 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 the name of the bar. 
but they go and, and it has the theme of like Paul Bunyan. It's a Paul Bunyan yeah. themed dinner bar slash like a burlesque show burlesque joint. <laughs> so here's uh, this is a good place to introduce my beer. This is uh, this is a beer we've had before. This is Pixie Dust by Sloop, oh, but yeah. this is the special Pride Edition. It says right here which, log jam. <laughs> <laughs> which i Wood think Mountain. doesn't mean i think doesn't mean they made the beer any different i think it just it just says uh a portion of the proceeds from this limited time can will be donated to our friends at nyc pride so oh god oh no Wow, you uh, shouldn't have uh, you shouldn't have jacked that thing off before you opened it, Nate. Yeah, really. <laughs> this beer was very happy to see me. <laughs> so this says a bright and magical India Pale Ale, six percent alcohol. Anyway, it's a very nice beer, not too strong. So Pixie, find you know, she was warned by I think it was Wood Johnson warns her like don't find scum or be careful of the scumbags or something like that. He says or the scum. Yeah. And then she instantly is, like, waylaid by scum. She Not gets a, picked up at the station by scum. It's, yeah. like, instant. It's instant immediate. Scum. <laughs> immediate scum, which is, I think that's a gore album. But then oh, yeah. she, she's, like, the smart one. And she, like, I mean, I guess, like, we're supposed she's to, like. city smart. It's, yeah, like, street smarts. I don't expect her to be, you know, like the Native American wise type. Like she touches the ground. She's like, the herd has moved. But like she should kind of like, like she has like a really keen sense of what's going on. But like. She's never been off the reservation. But it's kind of both. Like she always has like a good way to get out of the situation. But she never could realize what the situation is about to be. You notice that in the book? Like the guys are kind of, she like has good lines. Like especially later when we find out that she was almost gang raped. On the reservation by like the fucking like limpy one like gimp guy, <laughs> um, and then she's like, "No, wait, this is no fun." And they all laugh. And she's like, "No, it's no fun for you. Let's all go over here, and then we could all have a great time as you bang me." And and then she escapes, but like she's really slick, but like conveniently not slick in the plot. I don't know. I just felt it felt a little ridiculous how quickly she got like stuck in this. Very brief, ridiculous plot line. Oh, it's in really Mary ridiculous. Else. Especially when you find out what her job is going to be. It was ki- kind of so strange. It did feel like it didn't quite fit in the book. It and and it never really like was. Ex- it never meant anything. I don't think. You know, like, I mean, say what it is. I'm sorry. Okay, so she gets to this. She gets to this plate. They bring her to this place, and they're like, "Hey, sit down. Why don't you have a have a burger? Have some food?" And she's like, "What? Please just." Please just let me go. I just please. I just want to find my sister. They're like, no, we. You're just the right size for this thing. And then they explain <laughs> it to her. The water that jack. The evening entertainment is. Uh, they have they have this custom made rubber suit that they need just the right sized woman to wear, and the rubber suit is of a like. Blue ox. It's ba- Paul Bunyan's blue ox, babe. Babe, but a mermaid. They, but they have to, but it's like part, not exactly part mermaid. No, it isn't. But she has to, but whoever wears it, the entertainment is she has to be in like a water tank and like swim around. Yeah, underwater giant blue ox, of course. Which doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> that is no. just the weirdest things that just don't go together. Anyway, it's, it, was, it was kind of funny. 
Although I think the character in the book tried to explain that, yeah, we just sort of inherited this place or it was already there. They just right? changed. They, they, they had that? like rebranded. It was uh, a, like a pirate place or like a sea shanty place and they just made it into a log place, but they kept the water tank. Oh, I see. So they used to have mermaids in yeah. a water tank, but now like, oh, well, the water tank really drew in the fellas. So what is an ox but a mermaid of the land? It checks out. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Perfect. That's why you see like King Triton hitching his like yoke of 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 mermaids to plow his fields of krill or whatever. Like, it's, 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 everyone knows this. He can't kelp himself. So the, the the restaurant guys like they're like, hey, we you're we think you'll fit in the suit. Can you please do this? Oh, and by the way, you'll be paid fifty dollars a night, which is what she would make in a week at the factory, and. She was like, and you'll get tips, the, the tips every other night. And finally, Pixie says, wow, that's a lot of money. And, okay, but I need the tips every night. So and she a does. hamburger. Yeah, and, and they're like, oh, and we'll feed you, which, you know. Room and board. Yeah, she has her own like weird dressing room where she has to put her thing over a, her, her uh, mermaid oxen suit over a workhorse and then fill it with like delousing powder every day and sleep next to it. It's it's a sounds great. Yeah. Anyway, this part was so strange that it felt like it didn't fit, but it was still interesting. So anyway, she spends her nights water dancing in the blue ox suit, rubber blue ox suit. It's a very but exotic form of during dance. the day goes out to visit try and find her sister who's no who no one has heard from. And she manages to find one place where she might have been living, and they only find her baby, who's only a few months old. Who's she? Somebody was taking care of the baby. I forget exactly who. The um, woman she had been staying with. Yeah. So they's like. Uh, so she kind of takes the baby. Although, oh, the woman who is definitely a prostitute, but Pixie doesn't seem to understand exactly. She gets explained to her much later in the book by the, the, the very horny girl at the factory explains prostitutioning and pimping. And she's like, oh, this is so difficult. And she's like, well, pimping ain't easy. And then <laughs> she has to explain it to her. And she's like, oh, it's just, really? And she's like, no, I made it all up. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's really what happens. In the book. So, so she has the, the baby. Meanwhile, Wood Mountain has decided he, like, lost his boxing match. And so he decides to go down to Minneapolis because he knows Pixie is there. And he's just kind of wandering around and happens to stop into the log jam and happens to recognize... Well, he had, like, gone down there to, like, find her. Or he had helped. He had gone down part of the way. And there's, like, this whole other thing with Barnes, the guy that has a big crush on her. And... um he, had a, he was supposed to have a boxing match, but then that but got it was canceled, canceled because yeah. of, like, who gives a shit reasons. And then he was like, fuck it, I guess I'm here. I'll go check in on Pixie. I think that's something like that is what happened, I think. And he, and he happens to, very first place he ends up going to is the log jam, and he sees, you know, he happens to, like, look at, you know, look in the water tank. Well, and he's like, wait a minute. That's Pixie. So he's pounding on the glass and she can't hear anything. So he's just like, oh, there's a commotion outside of the tank and doesn't recognize him. But then he gets, uh, uh, Woodbound gets like thrown out of the bar 
but manages to like give her give a note to uh, write a note, give it to a waitress. Hey, give this to babe. <laughs> give this to the blue babe. <laughs> uh, and he says, "Hi, Pixie. It's Wood Mountain. I'm here. Blah, blah, blah. Come find me. I'm at the I'm at the hotel next door." So she finds him, and then they manage to track down the place where her sister Vera was staying, but it's chained up, but they, they managed to go in the place, but it's literally like starving dogs, like chained up. And then there's another room with a chain with an empty chain on it. And Pixie doesn't quite put it together right away, but she realizes that, Oh, I think my sister was literally held here. It's a chain with a collar on it. A collar. Yeah. She realizes a collar that's like, Meant it's like human only like a screw, like a you know some sort of lock get, get it off, and there's human shit in the corner of the room. But they had gone there first with like Jack, the junky guy f- from the uh, the Restaurant. log jam, who uh, was like, "There's nothing to find here. You're not going to see anything. Let's get out of here." Because that's how I think he talks. Because it's 1953, and Except he's from Minneapolis, so it's hard like like a pseudo Canadian yeah. accent. Yes, you know, what's, that? what's this a boot? <laughs> ah, I don't know. I don't know anything about accents. But he then, <laughs> but then he like lords away and she sneaks back. And, and all this is like, where the fuck is this book going? <laughs> this is like she stumbles into this scene from like the, uh, the road, Seven. you know, it's like Cormac McCarthy or something. Yeah. <laughs> where there's like a the fuck- shit rape dungeon. Yeah. And you're like, what is this about? And then like, let's go back to talking about. Reservation business about, about lobbying <laughs> your government with letters. Yeah, because back home it bounces back and forth. Because back home, Thomas is still fighting or figuring out how to fight for the tribe, much like the Narragansett. <laughs> <laughs> this is Narragansett Lager beer. Uh, it is a Shit an old beer. standby for everyone in the New England area. And since I went to college up there, they were everywhere. And it's a something that's been around since the dawn of time itself. Um, but it's named after the Narragansett tribe from Rhode Island as well. And that's the most most people know about it. I think they're like part of the Algonquin. They are Algonquin, yes. Gang. They, they went through their own struggles with trying to be eliminated and terminate, terminated as a tribe. Uh, I think they didn't, but they... They've had their share of struggles. And I think no one knows how it's supposed to be spelled. And no one knows exactly what it's supposed to mean because the language died out 100 years ago because there just weren't that many of them. And it's supposed to mean probably people of the little points because they're the little points and waterways of Rhode Island. And it is a very standard, straightforward beer. And it's not bad. You can usually get it for... A Narragansett and a shot at any bar for $6. This is the kind of beer you buy by the rack. <laughs> like, But it's always in the, the big cans. It's always been in the big cans. And at the time, it was like, wow, these cans are enormous. And now it's like... This They're almost standard. as big as Rhode Island. <laughs> <laughs> almost. <laughs> but it's fine. It's nothing special. And it doesn't, it doesn't try to be anything more than it is. It's just called lager beer. And they haven't changed it in a hundred years. I have not had one of those in a long time. It tastes like I college. haven't either, but I saw it as like that's as, as close as I'm going to get. Uh, but okay. these beers, especially yeah. this one, oh yeah, 
were brought to us by you, the listener. This is NPR. You, specifically you <laughs> listening right now. Whether or yes, not you. you know it, you did the this The one to looking us. around going, huh? Wait, are they talking me? to me? That's How's... right, Brian. If there's a Brian listening, he's really freaked out right now. <laughs> uh, these, these beers are brought to us by our supporters over at Patreon. If you want to support the podcast, there's multiple ways you could do it. Of course, you could leave us a review wherever you're listening and just make it a good one, please. Uh, but you could also, you know, tell your friends and family and rabbi to listen to the podcast. That'd make an interesting theological, theological discussion. But most uh, importantly, in a fiduciary sense, you could support the podcast at patreon.com slash Club, where you can give us uh, money in exchange for stuff that's all definitely worth that amount of money, uh, like early access to episodes, getting to vote in our monthly book poll, getting exclusive content, getting tangible goods, and even getting your name shouted out at our monthly book poll winner, which... Especially you, Brian. Especially Brian. But if you want, Brian, you could change your name to something ridiculous, and we will say it, because like Pixie sister, we're horse, and we will... <laughs> We'll say it for money. <laughs> and I almost forgot. Uh, patrons of any tier are invited to join us for our quarterly live episode. Plan to discuss an interesting book with us and other listeners for a Patreon-only episode. Our Dianetics episode was a blast, and we are really looking forward to discussing uh, Midnight Sun by Stephanie Meyer in October. Not looking forward to reading it at all. But uh, if you become a patron for as little as one buck by October, we'd love to have you join us there. So if you're interested, patreon.com slash drunk guys book club. Back to this back to this award winning novel. So so Pixie and Wood Mountain, they like have the they, they like seriously. They know that um that Vera isn't there, but they have the baby. So they take the baby back to North Dakota. And uh well Pixie kind of takes care of it and Wood Mountain comes by a lot to help taking care of the baby and really loves the baby, but it's mostly well, her mo- her Pixie's mom. mom. Yeah. It's mostly Pixie's mom who uh, I seems... not. Yeah, I'm not gonna try. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to pronounce her name. But wait, she... you didn't do the audiobook? <laughs> I did do the audiobook. I just don't remember. They already have an audiobook of this? Of course they yeah, do. Yeah, the book came out the, a year ago. These so. days Uh-oh. for like big re- it comes out the same day as the real and book. It, sure. it, okay. it was actually read by Louise Erdick Erdich Erdick herself. Okay. Disappointing out, Nate says it's the same thing when you read, listen to the audiobook. He doesn't know how to say the characters' names, and they were said to him. I'm going to go with Zanat. I just think Zanat. I'm not going to pronounce it correctly, and I'm trying no to see know. if it's written down here <laughs> I don't anywhere. Think but Luis it's is not. Listening. I kind of want to see it. It's like Z H A N A A T. There's like a double A in there. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to try. There are also random. I'm assuming Chippewa words peppered in the text. You just kind of like, okay, I'm going to assume that that means what's going on right now. Yes. Yep. And we're I not going to Have we mentioned that this is the story loosely? Uh, well, Thomas is loosely her grandfather, her actual grandfather. Everyone else is fake. Yes. But Pixie was real hot. <laughs> yes, but she was also real fake. Damn. <laughs> so uh, they bring the baby back, and uh, Wood Mountain loves the shit out of that baby, and he's he's crushing real hard on pixie which felt like it can't think they're like little love story part of the book felt like it kind of came out of nowhere at least like his part i understood like he had a crush on the whole book um and then there was like the the coach had a crush but like he kind of didn't really matter in the long run of the book 
the white the white dude who came there to to teach. Uh, but Pixie then all of a sudden is like, I fucking want Wood Mountain's wood. And that just felt really abrupt when that developed in the plot. Yeah, well, she's 19, and, you know, he just got her out of being a, uh, you know, ox sex, sex dancer. And, you know, the heat of the moment, you know, they're young. Well, it, it still takes young a while. And, they're it, young and horny. Like oxen sometimes are. Yes, when they're in heat. They are horny. Well, even when they're not in heat, the males oh, have God horns. Oh, goddammit. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're not antlers, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that, I mean, they they start developing a thing where she like feels tinglings in her loins for him. Um, but but then um, there's a whole like it's just tremendous amount of shit that happens in this book. Like there's a whole thing, and it's like every single Native American reservation trope you can think of. Like her father, Pixie's father, is a degenerate alcoholic, and he eventually dies. dies by like freezing to death. Uh, in in the sis the missing sister's shack, they find him one day and he's there just fucking already embalmed. Basically, <laughs> he's just an ice frozen. He, he's became an Eskimo. <laughs> no, he's just frozen, and uh, they have to have like a whole scene to bury him. And also, like, there's a whole lot of other things where like character uh, uh, Pixie and the mother are seeing v- Vera, the missing sister, in their dreams. And then there's other characters who are seeing, like, symbols, and they're like, oh, this is a... Thomas keeps seeing an owl, which means someone's going to die. But he doesn't think that. Only Labatt does, which I, I wanted to get a Labatt's beer, but I couldn't, I didn't, <laughs> couldn't bring myself to buy one. Uh, only Labatt, who is, like, the handyman at the factory, he's like, oh, fuck, that means it's a bad sign. But he's also just relentlessly stealing from the company, <laughs> that guy, like... There's so many Stealing weird all their details. staplers and pens. Anything he can. He's In working. the jewel factory. Well, he's, he's stealing the office supplies. <laughs> he's working his way up to the jewels. Like he has to like build up his nerve. But he's like, they don't need these fucking pencils. Which, by the way, in one of their exchanges now, you know, Nate and I always will get all nerdy and talk about history stuff. This book had uh, a glaring historical inaccuracy, which is really, really pathetic and pedantic that I'm going to point it out. But I'm going to do it anyway because it won the Pulitzer. <laughs> There's a part where, like, Thomas and, uh, I forget if it's Labatt or or Lewis Pipe, Pipestone, because if you didn't think this was a porn book, uh, there's yeah, a guy who's that's like, another one. Lewis Pipe Layer. <laughs> <They're, laughs> they talk about their glory days playing basketball back in the day, which at this point would have been like the 1930s. And he's like, yeah, well, you could always count on me for those three-pointers, the three-point shot. Was not invented yet. Bullshit. Called bullshit. Nice try, Louise. We'll be exactly. calling the Pulitzer Foundation to un-reward you. Not invented or just not used in the NBA? Both. It wouldn't be used in the NBA until like 1979. But it wouldn't even be used in the... Um, 1979? Se- something like that is when... The, uh, the, somewhere, somewhere around there. I'll go that, seems, that seems late. What? That was like before... That was like after like... The heyday of like Larry Bird and shit, and no, Larry fucking, Bird's the eighties dick bag. Was that the eighties? Greatest white really? guy to ever touch a ball. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Nin- according to Wikipedia, which is never wrong, in <laughs> June nineteen seventy nine, the NBA adopted the three point line for a one year trial in the nineteen seventy nine to nineteen eighty season. Wow, Doctor J never shot a three. The ABA had the three point shot, and actually, other the Eastern, okay. the Eastern Professional Basketball League had it. The they had it in the. Going back to the early 60s, 
But that was Not still in the like 30s. A, that, that, exactly. The, the, there was like a, a test game at some sort of college in like 1945 or something like that. We're like, let's try this. That might make it interesting. And then like, that's not. So the idea <laughs> that on a remote Dakotan basketball you know, like, It was like a high school, school basketball team. That they're like, we're really progressive about <laughs> basketball rules. I know it's a really stupid thing to criticize about the book because I actually kind of like, I did enjoy the book. But I noticed that like, that's a, that's a, that's bad. Like that's 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 not true. Maybe I'm it's sure. Alternate universe. Maybe that's what. That, maybe that's <laughs> it's just what it slightly is. different. That's the one thing. <laughs> that's what. That's like the thing we're supposed to notice, and because yeah. uh, everything else is real. Even like the fucking mad racist Mormon senator guy. He's real. That's a real dude. Yeah. In the book, uh, something Watkins, Arthur Watkins, something like that. I, I looked him up. Arthur V. Watkins. Oh, you know what oh, the yeah. V is short for Vivian. What a what? What a bitch! <laughs> yeah, Arthur <laughs> Vivian Watkins. That's weird. I mean, it's clearly a maiden name kind of thing because he was born it's in the like 1880s. that joke in the producers when they say that Hitler's middle name was Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a real dude who was a Mormon guy, and he represented Utah, and he fucking tried to get rid of all the Native American con- uh, t- uh, treaties. Well, they, there was frequent interspersed chapters of two Mormon missionaries and their like odd couple bromance of them trying it, it, it to was convert like a, a real love hate thing. Man. Oh, it's mostly yeah. hate. It was a mostly hate thing. When you get tired of like hanging with the same guy for months at a time, trying to trying to convert everybody and telling them when they pray the darkness of their skin away, which the Mormons don't like to talk about anymore, but that was a big thing for them for most of their history. At one point, I forget who like one of the one of the minor Native American characters actually converts. I think it's the guy who tried to rape Pixie out of guilt. He converts, I think. Uh, or he was Labatt. he was thinking about it. I don't it's think one, he. I think he changes his mind. Oh, uh, one of them comes close at least and tries to tell somebody else. Is you know, if you convert, if you if you convert to this, you'll get your skin will get lighter and lighter until you glow in the dark. <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean that's science. There were some interesting parts, uh, but with the uh, interesting lines with the two the Mormon missionaries, one is which were how they have to like watch each other so closely so that, you know, so that they don't, not so sin. they don't sin. It's so that the one doesn't like partake in the wonders of the real world and, you know, and decide to not be a Mormon. And it almost sounds like the Amish, but I don't know a lot about Mormon missionaries, but that does sound like a real thing. Uh, I can also, there was also a funny line where, where they go up, they're first introduced and they go into Thomas's house and they see him in the yard and they ask him, have you thought about, have you thought about why you're here or some, some line like that, (laughs) where they're meaning to ask, have you thought about God, you know, God, but Thomas, who's a Native American is saying, no, like, I, I know why I'm here. It's like, I know I'm here. You guys took our land. Where else were we supposed to go? (laughs) But he didn't mean it in a mean way. It's just kind of like facts. That's just you know that was the truth. And the, and guy, like and the Mormon guys didn't, didn't get it. And just like oh okay, that's cool, dude. Like uh, can Thank we have you. some water? I was walking around here, my neighborhood here in Queens, um, maybe a few years ago, and I was walking toward, towards a park, and it was on some random block. And there was two Mormons. They were, like, coming out of a house or, like, coming out from knocking on the door, not being let in a house. And we crossed 
paths, and they're like, excuse me. I said, what's up, man? He said, do you know who lives here? No. <laughs> Why would I know who lives there? It's like, oh. Worth a shot. Like, they all know each other, you know, I guess, the Mormons. Like, yeah, we know everyone in our town. I mean, they didn't say this part, but it was like, they assumed that I knew the person lived there because I was standing near it. They're it wasn't. People. It wasn't just an excuse to start a conversation? No, they didn't attempt to convert, convert me, me at all. No, they're just like, okay, and then they left. I think the people that go out as missionaries are very, lead. They all have to. Extreme, like, well, it, but only if you're like... I mean, I guess, I mean, if you're a Mormon... It's part, it's part of the Mormon thing is, like, going on mission. You have to go yeah. out and well, try... I saw, and I saw the Book of Mormon. I know how it oh. works. <laughs> I mean, some people get fun places, and some people get not as fun places, but they still have to do that shit. But I think I think they live very their sheltered lives and have no oh, sense yeah. of how the world... And the characters in this book are no different. The as Mormons. They, yeah, the Mormon characters in this book, yeah. Um, and they, as they go to North Dakota to convert the already converted Native Americans who are all Catholics. <laughs> like, they're all like... You can just do the normal Mormon thing and convert them after they die. They do that all the time. It's so <laughs> weird. It's that's, nice of them. Do you know that's why, like, if you ever are doing, like, a genealogy thing, like, you, if you find anything on the internet, it's through a fucking Mormon website. <laughs> They go through their own family history. Like, they're looking for their own family members, you know, like trying to find their own ancestors going back to wherever. But, but in the process to find that, they just kind of process, like, all sorts of census data and birth records and death records, et cetera, and just digitize it and put it up there. And then you, hopefully you'll find, like, oh, there's my great-great-great-grandfather. We're going to baptize him now, you know? And the rest of it is, like, who gives a shit? It's there, you know? So when you look up... I mean, if you find this stuff, you could you could trace back your you know ancestors going back to you know in some cases quite far back, and it's it was just because of some group of Mormon volunteers who were hoping to find one of their own ancestors. It's very nice of them. It it is it is it's it's a service, uh, but it, <laughs> it is really weird. Oh yeah, uh, they don't really believe in spiritual consent. Uh, <laughs> We're getting we're getting off the beat off track here. Um, I mean, partly, but also part, this this book is kind of random in a lot of ways. There's a lot of things happening that sometimes you wonder, like, how did I get here? Oh yeah, the the the, the first one was the fucking baby, the blue ox mermaid show. Yeah, because once she gets back to town with the baby, none of that matters much anymore. It, does it ever come back? No. Like the guy Jack, the guy who like guilted her sort of strong-armed her into doing the job he just like ods in an alleyway and she just yeah. leaves and she's like there's a man dying there and then the guy's like oh cool and then they leave <laughs> and and that's it like it doesn't matter at all and then like vera wakes up in a very bad place you know and alleyway just, like, and goes Duluth. home well first she gets picked up by a, a very nice man actually well first oh, yeah. she's being held captive on a sh- as a sex slave on a ship and then was she, she on a ship? Yeah. Uh, okay, that's, in the that's what I thought it was. She was in the I, hold I, of a I ship. I don't remember. And then she is she escapes by basically pretending to more or less be dead. I mean, she was close to being dead anyway. Because she's also they had been out they had been point. drugging her, drugging her, and and stuff like that. So it wasn't difficult to, and the drugs had run out, I think, or something like that. So basically, they thought. The yeah. people, the guys on the ship thought she was dead, so they dumped her somewhere. But she wasn't actually dead, and she manages to start walking down the highway and gets in, is luckily gets picked up by 
some guy who is a, was a medic in the war. And so he's like, oh, this person is still alive. She still has a little bit of a pulse. So takes her home and oh, they say basically my, cares for her. My favorite line in the book that is just thrown in there. And you're like, okay, I'm going to accept that that happened. So the guy who finds her, I don't even know if he has a name. Oh, Harry is his name. Harry picks her up and he, he sees this like there's a, like a, a person sleeping in a ditch on the side of the road. He goes, this is dead. And he say, brings her home. And he brings her, and this is, uh, he brings her home to his house to help her. He has, he is a, a true good Samaritan. And he, he lives at home with his dog named Edith. And this is a direct quote from the book. It says, as happens when one person lives with one dog, the dog became psychic. <laughs> 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 In any amount of centuries, I would have never come up with that sentence. In the, um, the, the dog, he comes home with this, you know, homeless, uh, emaciated, near-death woman, and the dog's like, this woman needs help. And it, it like, <laughs> sleeps out on her feet. <laughs> but the dog, dog could tell all this, like, she's seen some shit. I need to, I need to be a good boy. <laughs> the dog is just... And the chapter's called... Edith the Psychic Dog. <laughs> and so I got to the chapter like, what? Where is this book going now? <laughs> and man, was I disappointed that it didn't go further or farther. I both. smell a spinoff. I think that this has all been an elaborate pre- prelude to the Edith the Psychic Dog series. I, I hope that's true. My favorite line in the book, uh, much less clever, um, but it refers to the, what's happening back at the reservation uh, there's a lot happening, but also not very much because it's all like just talking and like trying to organize and get petitions signed. And they're trying to raise enough money to send people to Washington, D.C. to testify about like, please don't, you know, effectively kill us. Um, but it, everyone in the reservation is so crazy poor, like their roofs are peeling and they don't have food. They don't have money to go to Washington, D.C. So... They're talking about like trying to get the money to get there. And someone says, I talked to the superintendent, but he says money is extremely tight. And the other person says, I think it was Thomas. He said, you mean he's extremely tight in the butt? Really? It said that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, how did I miss that I think one? They're trying to say like he's a tight ass, but that's not how they said it. And it was kind of funny. Wood Mountain was there to help with the tightness. <laughs> oh my God. But I they're didn't... all trying to do all this, you know, long distance lobbying and, and Thomas is writing a lot of letters and eventually they organize enough money and enough people to go to Washington to testify about how this bill will fuck them. But they needed someone there to help them. They first had to send for a character in, 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 a, in a not super common move. They introduce a kind of important character literally two thirds through the book when they introduce Millie, the, uh, sexually, Probably on the sexually ambiguous autistic <laughs> Native American girl yeah. and they get her uh, because she's in college and she's studying school or whatever she's studying I don't know, I don't know. Sociology. Oh, she economics it was economics because she, she changed fr- her she changed major to anthropology yeah. yeah but she's just like I mean, she loves geometric patterns <laughs> like she will only wear clothing that has patterns on it she and can't they don't identify social cues no yeah she's she's on the spectrum for sure but she's always at school and you know what you know what you do at your, uh 
Well, they got her there to, to do a study on the tribe because they were requesting data. <laughs> this is called requesting data from Finback. It is just an IPA. It is 7.5% alcohol, brewed dry hopped with Idaho 7 cryo. Falconers and Azaka. And if they don't get the, if their tribe land gets taken away, they're going to cry out a lot. So this is a great IPA. I don't know enough about Idaho 7. I didn't even see the first six. Uh, it's just, <laughs> I fucked that up. Uh, Falconers or Azaka too much, but this is great. Um, like a lot of like berry flavors. I'm loving it. It's great. Good thing I bought a four pack. Right, anyway. So they go, they take Melly, she comes, she hangs around, and like all the stuff we've been talking about goes on. Oh, uh, uh, Pixie bangs Wood Mountain. Uh, after she has, like, after like another passage where she like almost goes blind from like fucking. An eye infection. She gets like pink eye or something. I don't know what it was. Yeah. <laughs> but instead, she just gets glasses. And that's why Millie <laughs> is so attracted to her. <laughs> but it also the glass when she puts on the glasses, she could see Wood Johnson for the first time, and then she fucks him in the woods with his wood. It's <laughs> it's it's an it's a nesting doll of wood. It's just <laughs> la- it's like more like an onion of wood. You just keep wood all layers of wood. <laughs> woods wood mountains wood in the woods, and she mounts his wood. <laughs> she tells him to sit down, and she. She rides him. She she, she cowgirls him. Because apparently her mother had said, before you get married, try it out first. No, it was uh it was uh Betty from the Betty from her Betty from her work told her <laughs> to do that. <laughs> Betty oh, was like the, one of the, the older lady. Betty was the other girl. She works with the she works with two other two other girls she's friends with. It's like v- Valentine and I forget the other one's name. And they're always like scheming because they're like mad jealous of of Pixie, and then there's the girl they ignore, and then she, because one of them gets promoted, she ends up having to talk to Betty, and Betty just says something, like blurts out, like, "Oh, go get that dick, honey." Basically, yeah, she's <laughs> like, "What are you know? Oh, are you are you ever going to get married?" Out, oh well, if I get pregnant, we'll get married. Yeah, we'll elope if we get knocked up. And Pixie is like, "Wait a minute." But then she tell quickly asks, but you can't get the butt pregnant, so I'm not too worried. And then she's like, what? Tell me all about this. And then they have a scene where she she gets the birds and the bees speech in English for the first time, because she only had it in Chippewa. And this girl explains to her, uh, this woman explains to her about boning and uh, about beeges and... Um, <laughs> and it, there's like, it's a really, fu- it's a kind of, kind of funny scene to read, because like... You know, you're not getting all of the dialogue. You're getting kind of like part of Pixie's thoughts and what the other girl is saying. She's like, a button? It's like a button below the belly button? <laughs> and he goes like, and it's really great. She's like, oh, okay, I get what they're talking about here. And then, Is this the one where it pulls away to the next chapter and it's a sex scene and you're like, oh, okay. And then they find out that it's the horses having sex? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. But, but also, um, <laughs> what's her name? Uh, Betty demonstrates with like a fucking some sort of pastry like a yodel or something like how to give a blowjob <laughs> and then and and pixie so has never even contemplated these things that she can't even look at the one on her plate she has to like cover it with a napkin <laughs> to not to be able to finish her coffee she's like i can't even she is the first person to perform a burlesque act before knowing what sex is 
Yeah, that's it's impressive. In history. Doing things out of sequence. Unfortunately, I think that's probably not true, but... No, no. <laughs> Damn it, Nate. There you go, ruining another one of our dreams. I don't know if that's really a dream of mine. <laughs> All right, fine. So that's happening. So they go down to Washington. So it's Thomas and a couple of other of the tribal guys, tribal elder guys, plus Pixie, plus Millie. No, Minnie. Yeah, yeah. Millie. Pix- Millie. Pixie Millie. gets roped in at the last second, basically, because Thomas is kind of afraid he's going to fuck it up, and Millie is also like, I can't do it unless I see enough yellow cars. <laughs> so like, she, she basically says, like, I, I'm not good at talking to people. I'm not good. I'm, and she's, she's clearly on the spectrum. Like, she's not. She's like, I'm not going to. I'm going to freeze. I'm going to say some weird shit. So they have Pat- uh, Pixie there as the sort Let's of the ringer. And they all head down to D.C. And while Pixie's there, like, they, they, they're, they go down to Washington, D.C. all of two days before their testimony. And the day before their testimony, Pixie goes to just sit in the gallery in the House of Representatives just to see what's going on. And she's there the day, and this is a real event, the thing that happened in the book. This is a real event where Puerto Rican nationalists decide to take, branded, take out guns She's uh, take out guns in the gallery and shoot members of Congress on the on the floor of the House of Representatives, and this really did happen. Uh, none of the people nobody nobody died, but several members of Congress were shot. And Pixie happens to be standing right there, like right there next to a woman who also shoots. But Pixie says that the woman didn't actually shoot anybody; just shot up in the air. I have to imagine. This really did happen the day before the testimony of the Turtle Mountain tribe to Senator, whatever his name is, Watkins. I mean, maybe. I mean, maybe it Vivian, really did happen. Arthur Vivian Watkins. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe that really did happen in that order, but or maybe she just wanted something exciting to happen. Anyway, so they they do the testimony, and Thomas and everyone else is so deferential and you know, to, to everyone and, you know, gives his testimony. But then afterward he's like, Oh, okay. So there's actually some bi- biography of the Senator. And I looked it we, up. The more, it's not quite that close. The shooting at the, with the, in the Capitol was on March 1st and the bill was introduced into the Senate in June of 53. Close enough for dramatic reasons. Wait, hold on. That's the year before. <laughs> When was the shooting? Was it 53 or 54? 54. 54, yeah. March 1st, 54. And the bill was introduced. So the bill was, had already been introduced. This was, the, this was the congressional hearing about it that they were okay. going to. I'll keep Now, what day is that hearing? It might be hard to find. It's actually, it's harder to find that information than you would think. To like go back and see what was happening on the given I mean, day. if it was the day the bill was being voted on, that is something that might be easier to find, but not necessarily one particular hearing. Anyway, so it could have happened in that order. It could have happened just like that, or maybe not. Yeah, it's, it's close enough. And even though Thomas wants to say, like, you fucking asshole senator, oh yeah, because he does some research about the Mormons, and the Mormons basically believe that, or at least according to this book, the Mormons believe that, well... This whole country belongs to us, and so we need to just take it from the Native Americans. So they try to, and then this Thomas believes that this Mormon senator from Utah 
he really, he just wants to dissolve the tribes or emancipate the tribes just so they can take their land or just so, just because they are like, they believe that Native Americans are. They're a lost tribe of Israel. Well, they're the Lamanites and they're fucking it up because why would you laminate the land? That makes (laughs) no sense. (laughs) And that does get explained earlier on. I I guess that's why the fucking, the Mormon boy subplot is in there. Maybe. Uh, and Thomas, after the hearing, goes to the senator's office and knocks on his door. And Thomas says, oh, thank you so much for your consideration in this bill. We're so thankful. But even though Thomas is like thinking in his head, you fucking piece of shit. But is still like, I will do this. I will do all of this in order to try to just try and save the tribe. So they do the testimony and then they... I mean, the bill wasn't being voted on right away, so they don't know how it's going to turn out, but everybody's worried, and then they decide to go. They're like, well, it's time to go home, so they go to the train station, and Thomas has a stroke because he's been literally And not of luck. Not of good luck. (laughs) (laughs) Not the good kind. You know, Thomas has been not sleeping because he's the night watchman, so he's barely been sleeping like a couple of hours every night or less. And he's basically losing his mind and seeing visions of Roderick. The, uh, see, of of his friend when they were both in tribal school or whatever it is. This the school, the kind of school where they for Native Americans where they they as children they take them away and teach them to be the residential schools. Yeah, residential. That was school, called in Canada. Called. I don't boarding know what they were called. They were boarding schools. They had them in the United States, all over the place. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, it's someone. It's like the Carlisle, the Car uh, Carlisle, in yeah, Carlisle. The Carlisle school is like the big one in Pennsylvania, but they had these schools going back to like the late eighteen hundreds, where it was basically the kill the Indian, save the man academy. And uh, Roderick was the friend who went there and died, and we get his story also, you know, spaced out. Is that what you're talking about, Nate? Yeah. So he's seeing this friend, but that is his friend who had died at one of these residential schools and it just so happens that uh you know there's this big story about how all these bodies discovered at residential schools in canada's in canada what was it 600 something like that it's like it's like nickel boys but instead of 660 corpses they found 600 corpses and there are a fuckload of schools yeah so yeah all of a sudden there's like all of a sudden there's ghosts in the book and i I wasn't sure been if ghosts, I was reading yeah. it wrong. Yeah, they, there's a few random ghosts, and I was kind of confused by that because it kind of felt out of the blue. It felt a little like now. Now, Luis Erdrich is is partially Native American ancestry and identifies however she wants to, but it it just felt a little bit like ah, oh, the Native Americans they know about the spirit world kind of thing, you know, like. It's got a little, like, because they're just like, he's a night watchman, but he could still commune with the elders through owls. Like, oh, really? Okay. It just felt a little, I don't know. You know what I'm trying to say? And when when Thomas is in the hospital, he has all these visions of being a muskrat, because that's actually what his name means. And in the very beginning, it talks about, you know, the Native American myth of the muskrat in the beginning of the world, and which I couldn't. Possible, which I couldn't like tell accurately, so I won't try. It's from the Captain and Tennille song "Muskrat Love," which is a real song. I don't know if you know that song. It's their other hit. 
It's not nearly <laughs> as big as Love Will Keep Us Together, but it was their other chart charting hit. Muskrat Love. How do you not turns remember? Turns out Love Keep Us Together was about muskrats in love also. It turns out Love doesn't keep you together because Captain and Teal got divorced. <laughs> but um, I just think there was one person named Captain Antoniel. Antoniel. Like it's, yeah. It's and like I was a, like, who's Captain Antoniel? Like a, like a ship captain? He's from the Antilles. <laughs> So he's uh he's getting better. He had a stroke, but his head had a boo boo. But he got better <laughs> in the bed, and then he's like, "All right, let's go home." And so they all go home, and everything kind of works out. And a lot of stuff gets summed up in the last bit. Vera comes home, and you know, is happy to be back home. And it's like, and "We have your baby, and we got your baby." And Wood Mountain is like, "Oh." I like that baby. And, you know, Vera, I like you too. And then he ends up marrying Vera. I don't know about marrying. But marrying anyways, or getting together with, with And so Vera. doesn't doesn't actually uh, get together with Pixie anymore. And Pixie decides to become a lawyer now that she has glasses. She's like, can I, I want to go to law school. <laughs> She's like, I want to go to law school. I'm, Even I'm, though she did, she had actually has to take off the glasses for reading. Specifically, yeah. they're for distance. But she, but the law is far away, I guess. Was there anything else that happened at the end? Uh, uh, and then Thomas you f- gets better. He does get better. And then you find out that the tribe was not terminated, that the bill didn't go through, didn't like pass Congress or whatever, and the tribe didn't get terminated. And so and the tribe is still there, I guess. Uh, and then the factory, they unionized... They try to, unionize, try to unionize, but then they aren't allowed to, and instead they just get coffee breaks back. They did, get and they, I think they get a little bit back. of they get a little bit of pay increase. I thought it was funny at the beginning when she says, "I need time. I need to go find my sister. She's missing." And the guy's like, "You can't get off work." He's like, "You've got three days of sick time." It's like, "What's sick time?" Like that's the time you you got, and someone else gave her her sick time, so she got a whole week off. And I thought, "Wow, labor laws really haven't changed that much in seventy years." If, you, if if she's not pasting the glue onto a drill bit, who's going to do it? You know, <laughs> for the fucking that that little shard of emerald needs to go somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So that's the end of the book, pretty much. I'm sure we missed we we left out a bunch of stuff because a billion things happen. It is a busy book, but a lot of things to me it felt like didn't fit in this book. Yeah, I could see that. I, I, you know, we, we were texting when we first, when I first started reading it, or you, we both started reading it. Someone started listening, and it was someone. Someone who, who did I say who? I said you. I didn't, I didn't specify who. <laughs> oh, <I thought laughs> you fucking guilty conscience there. But it was, uh, <laughs> it was a slow start, and I was like, this is kind of weird. Like it's introducing a whole bunch of things. Like, all right, it's weird. It's a, it's a, it's a Pulitzer Prize winning book. I don't expect it to be simple. But actually, once I got past like eight to ten percent in, I was like, "That's actually really nice." I thought that was really well written, and there was tons of just like weird shit that happened. And because it was well written, I was or written in a way that I liked. I was willing to go along with it. Um, but looking at it from the end of the book, now there's tons of shit that like I really feel like could have been really condensed in various ways, like the whole thread of the Mormon missionary boys and how one of them had a big crush on one of the other very minor Native American girl characters. And 
then he also happened to see the other girl fucking her boyfriend in the car. Like none of that had none of that mattered. None of it mattered at all. Except to like kind of introduce that the mean guy in Washington was a Mormon. I think that was kind of all it kind of all it did. And while he's a real character and he was a Mormon, I guess that is relevant. But like that's just one example of like a whole bunch of shit that should have been, could have been trimmed from the book. Then the whole bunch of crap about boxing. Like all the boxing scenes and the training stuff, none of that really mattered either. I mean, they raised the money to go to Washington through the boxing match. Yeah, but they could. I mean, they could have just yeah done it, it without it was a lot. But the whole also the whole boxing trainer coach Barnes. Yeah, he didn't matter. He served one purpose that I thought was kind of odd. Uh, there was a chapter where he's talking to Thomas, and Thomas is explaining to him. Oh yeah what it means to be a Native American in this world. Like, you know, like, we pay taxes, but we don't get any of the stuff. We all this. And it felt like he was just serving as, like, exhibition to people who don't know these sort of things. You know, I didn't know the te- technical aspects of He's it. He's a Watson? Yeah, His basically. His purpose in the book is just to have somebody for the main character explain something to? Yeah. But also, it didn't make any sense, because Barnes had been living on Native American reservations for years, yeah. Going from reservation to reservation. So he would know these things. It didn't make any sense. Like, why? Like, I get the point why he did it, but that character was an odd choice to do it to, since he, he, unless he was just profoundly ignorant about where he'd been living, which is possible. He's a boxer, can barely read. I mean, his head's just like, you know, he's like spinning. You know, he can't really think of things and he gets, he gets confused. He, for, he forgot just, everything. He's just like pissing in a corner of a room all of a sudden. He's like, oh no, it happened again. You know, because his head's all like fucking Got potatoes CTE. inside. Yeah. It's just like oatmeal brain. Yeah. I, I thought parts of it were good. It just, for me, it, nev- it never really came together. It never felt like one whole work. It felt like two or three books smushed together and then not blended sometimes. I could see that. What do you think, Nate? I enjoyed it a lot. I had never read a book of, that took place on a Native American reservation on an Indian. They're called Indians the entire time in the book, but you know, you read you read absolutely part uh, true story of a part time Indian. That is true. What I meant to say is, I did read that. I didn't read all of it, and I also it didn't take place in the nineteen fifties. <laughs> <laughs> I read the part-time part, <laughs> which I like that book too. But I mean, that's like a young adult. That's like, a kid book. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a definitely book, a kid book. Basically. Like I read half of it in forty-five minutes, and then I was like, "Oh, this is good," and then I forgot to pick up the rest. Anyway, so I, I thought learning about Native Americans reservation nineteen fifties that was interesting, and I thought, yeah. and I thought all the parts of the plot were interesting too. It, it's not an exciting book, I guess you could say. It's not a... In terms of, okay, the other Pulitzer winners we've read. And we've read not all of them in the last 20 years, but we've kind of read a lot of them. This one isn't high stakes exciting, I think is the, the deal with this book. I mean, it's a fine book. It's a nice book, but it isn't, I would say, not gripping exactly. Like I would say that the gripping the part was road. at the beginning. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, which is, I mean, which is a unique book itself. Yeah. So, anyway, so it's not quite, like, that type of, like, gripping or exciting or just 
very strange. What was the book about Abraham Lincoln? The one that Lincoln was... Lincoln and the Bardo. Bardo. Lincoln and the Bardo, which, which that was... was Booker. Did in, that win the Pulitzer? Oh, no, you're right. Booker. That won the Booker. That's right. That's right. Um, but Overstory or Booker or Pulitzer? Overstory. Also. What was last year? Oh, um, Nickel Boys. Nickel Boys. And then oh, was yeah. Overstory. And then... What was before that? Um, was it The Sympathizer? Um, Sympathizer we was... We read Cavalier and Clay. That was another one that we've done back in like season season one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm fucking. I'll pull up all the winners. God damn it! Underground Railroad. We read. That was before Jimmy. I want to say we've done all of them. All since the light the we cannot see. The started. gold fans. Oh, yes. We didn't do everything. There's, there's been plenty of years we missed. Oh, I mean, did we skip one since 2017, which is when we started the podcast? Yeah. We didn't do we the did? sympathizer. We didn't do... Okay, I read The Sympathizer and thought it was... And I really liked it, but we, we didn't, didn't do, do Less it. from 2018. Which I oh, no, that's right. Of. We did The Goldfinch. We did All That You Can't See. We didn't do The Orphan Master's Son. If we do that, that would get us back to 2013. <laughs> I read that, too. That one's about North Korea. We did Middlesex, that one. We've done a fair amount. Would, would you say that this one is up there with those? I think it's similar in, in many ways, I think it has like what what makes it a Pulitzer winner. I think the perspective of the author is makes it more unique. I, is this the first Native American who's won the Pulitzer for fiction? Probably, Almost certainly. She's written apparently a fuck ton of books. I always actually, about I actually read her previous life. book, which is actually science fiction. Okay. And it was also like this. It was good. It was, it was, it, it, I would say, even though it's about something different, it didn't, that book didn't have the, you know, thing of like, this is the Pulitzer Prize winner. So it was like, okay, yeah, this was a, this is a fun, interesting book where this one, you go in with, ex, you have to go in with extremely high, high expectations because it was the Pulitzer winner. And maybe it doesn't, doesn't quite, it wasn't quite that exciting, but I still enjoyed it. And I think it's still enjoyable. I'd agree with that 100%. Because it won the Pulitzer, you're going you're gonna to be much more critical. And there's plenty to be critical of. It, 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 could be, it could be fine-tuned. And it's the same kind of thing I criticize like Stephen King for, because I was just listening to our Lazy Story episode, uh, where I shit on Stephen King habitually for doing the same kind of thing. I think it's better, better written than that. Um, I like I, I like it better, but it does it does have a lot of stuff there. That you, like, you, this could be this could have been jettisoned and made a, a more you know tight book because I wasn't really sure what the point of the book was. Was the point of the book to tell the story of the scrappy bunch of Chippewa who went to Washington to testify? Was the point of the book to give us a glimpse of reservation life, or to tell us the story of? Pixie trying to find her sex trafficked sister. Like, there's just so many different, you know, and this is what Jimmy was criticizing before. I'm not sure what the book was trying to do. It, it definitely felt like it was doing too many different things. But I still thought, I still enjoyed the ride. I wouldn't say it's a perfect book by any stretch, but I did, I did like it. I thought the individual sections were good, some better than others. It just, it, it never really congealed for me. I had, I had real trouble, like, staying interested because it kept changing so much that I didn't really ever, I never really latched on, but that that's just me. I understand why people like it. I understand why it's considered good. I think it's about an important subject. People probably don't know fuck all about. Hmm. I just, I just didn't 
like it that much. It wasn't bad, but I didn't I didn't like it. I mean, that's I think it's fair, you know. I, I think uh, thinking about some of the other Pulitzer winners, like Middlesex, comes to mind. This that this reminded me of Middlesex a lot in many ways, in terms of just a lot of weird shit happening. A lot of a lot of prize winning books are fucking so pretentious and so difficult on purpose that they are they're almost like daring you to not like them. I don't know if you've ever had that impression. Maybe that's just Oh yeah, I get that. that like, I didn't I didn't think this was pretentious at all. So, so, some super important famous books which you know the books you're supposed to read yes are so Im- so difficult to actually figure out. But this was not difficult not to at get all. through at all. So, that's exactly what I was going to say. I I, I I got it. I actually I, I I totally agree that it could have been trimmed down, but I liked it. I liked the book. Um, I won't give it five stars. I think stars. it would have better served as maybe as like a three books in the same universe or something. I think I think honestly, what it could have used is having trimmed a quarter of it out. Like a lot of shit could have gone. It would have been a much more cohesive thing. I'm not sure why it won the Pulitzer. Uh, I mean, I, I have my theories. I mean, like, there's like a whole political element of it, and and that tends to go far with prize-winning books. But um, I didn't read enough of the other books that came out in 2020 to be able to say something was more deserving. I still think it's pretty good. Yeah, Political considerations have to have played at least a little bit of a role. Hmm. It's definitely part of the cultural zeitgeist right now. Though, right now... This book, this episode's coming out in a few months. Maybe it won't be as big in news, but it's coming out around the time. We're recording this around the time. This book, this won the prize around the time of all the news of the residential schools in Canada. And maybe they're just hoping that, that we don't find a bunch of bodies in America, too. Because definitely the exact same thing happened here. Apparently, since that news came out in Canada, something like 40 Catholic churches have been burned down. Yeah, but they've also been, um, they were also, they were churches that weren't being used anymore that had been like converted into other stuff. Hmm. A lot of them. They're not all like active churches. They converted into boy fucking factories? Well, that's what they were before because they oh, also. Right. I'm they, sorry. Converted yeah. into. Gotcha. Yeah. Because before they I killed those converts, kids, they also it. did a lot of. Uh, they were, those were molestation murder factories for centuries. It's a fucking great band name. That is definitely a gore They're on tour with Cannibal Corpse. Yeah, yeah they're, on, they're open for Cannibal Corpse. Molestation Murder Factory. <laughs> this song's called Fucking Is My Habit. Parentheses, <laughs> I'm a nun. <laughs> <laughs> um, so who should read the book then? Well, if you want, if you're a completionist and just want to read all the award winners, then... Yeah, there's that's definitely a reason to do it. Um, if you're interested in Native American history, that's a good reason to re- read it too. Give it a couple of years. This 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 will certainly at least be optioned for a movie. Like, I can't imagine it's not going to be. You know? Yeah, I can see it, that. It might make a shitty movie, but uh, it almost maybe certainly a mini would. series. Those are those are cool now. But that's but the, that's like one of the main things that like a lot of publishers I don't know shit about I mean she's with Harper Collins I don't know that they, they might like hey we could there are get only them. like three or four publishers so yeah <laughs> uh, there's Norton and 
most and of them day and single they're all day. owned by only four corporations. And they're and those they've, four they've are been owned by the, bought the, and consolidated and merged merged and there's really only like there used to be the big five publishers. I think they're now down to four. But they're all all four owned by the Shinehart Wig Company. So it's really <laughs> Yes, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's all very good. Dirty Rock <laughs> reference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> One that Nate got. Oh, fuck it, that's a great show. He, show. He 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 interested a reference of a moving picture. <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys seen with this sound? The, the jazz amazing. singer. <laughs> <laughs> I I I think I think it's just a decent book. You know, I I I don't think uh, you need to be a particularly liter- literature reader. You know, like oh, it's I a read. pretty accessible read. It is, yeah. Thank you. That's what I'm trying to say. It, it's Regular readable. people can read it. We we managed. <laughs> it's it's a readable book, and we're drunk. Oh my god, am I? I can't get drunk on Narragansett. I've only had one, not fourteen, like you're supposed to. In one case, maybe. <laughs> um, I haven't peed eleven times. It, unless unless half of the cans that you drank are also now filled with piss, then you're not doing it right. That's that's how Narragansett <laughs> works. That's why they have the wide wide mouth openings. Yeah, so you don't want to cut your cut your tip. Because you have to put your whole penis in the can, right? Is that how it works? <laughs> 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 On that note... Uh, tell us what you thought. <laughs> send us an email to drunkguysbookclub at gmail.com. Or follow us on Twitter at drunkguysbc. Or go to Facebook and Instagram at drunkguysbookclub. And if you've listened this long, then For find some out reason. Leave us a review <laughs> wherever you're listening. It's right up to five stars, please. And if you want to support the podcast, you could head over to uh, patreon.com slash drunkguysbookclub and uh, support us there with uh, real life uh, money or wampum. And go to Goodreads and be our friend on Goodreads because that's good for us. So we can talk. We can talk via text. And check out the Hopped Up Network, a network of independent beer podcasters. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.